Hi, friends. This is Will Parker. Have you ever received a gift that is so valuable you wanted to share the joy of it with others? That's how I feel every time I learn something new from spending time with educators like the guests on this program and with educators like you. If today's episode gives you new ideas or inspiration, would you share the joy by rating this show on whatever podcast app you may be using? Or better yet, would you share this episode with a friend? I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and I just want to say thank you in advance for doing what matters. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 326. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to talk about the seven levels of intimacy and leading with my special guest, Jason Jadamski. Jason Jadamski is a 24-year educator who has served schools as a teacher, coach, assistant principal, principal activities director, and school culture coach. While serving as the activities director of Broken Arrow Oklahoma High School, Jason ignited a school culture turnaround that resulted in the Varsity Brands Company recognizing BA as the nation's most spirited high school in 2017. And later that year, Jason began working as a school culture facilitator for school culture expert Phil Boyle and his company Learning for Living. In 2020, Jason started Ignite to Unite LLC, a school culture focused speaking and consulting company. And in 2022, Ignite to Unite acquired the renowned school culture program, breaking down the walls from Phil Boyd and learning for living. Jason is a resident of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he lives with his wife, Kristen, and 12-year-old twins. And he's also a good friend. Jason Jadamski, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Why don't you fill in the blanks on that gap and tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you. Uh, you know, I, I well, first of all, thanks for having me on Principal Matters. Super excited to be here, listen to you a million times. So it's neat, neat to be on the other side. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything surprising. Just, just a little bit more about me is a longtime soccer person. Just grew up coaching, playing soccer. Then I became a coach and uh, coached for a long time at the high school level, club level, and honestly got out of it for a long time. And then uh, my son was playing and uh, just didn't have a maybe a great experience and wanted something different and quit. And uh, I ended up coaching again this last summer. So now I'm back coaching, uh, coaching youth club soccer, man. So uh, that's just been a, a big part of my life. And then I've been in Oklahoma my, my whole life, moved here when I was five from Illinois and uh, except for six years in Arkansas, which is a phenomenal experience. Been right here in Oklahoma. Well, I know you and your twins have a great time with, with soccer, especially now that you're coaching as well. And I need to give principal matters listeners a little background. You know, I started my career in Broken Arrow, Jason, and you have moved from there. That was a long time ago, almost 30 years ago. And so now that I'm in this role, I still get to come to that district and sometimes do professional development with, with principals. I was there last week, in fact, working with two groups, an aspiring group of principals, and then with your veteran principals in a day where we walked through the book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish together, or an afternoon together. So I, I love the relationship that I have with your school district. But when you and I connected, we connected for two reasons. One, because you are a fellow leader in the state of Oklahoma. And at the, at the time that we met, you were also leading an innovative high school 
for for Broken Arrow, but you've also been doing work with schools through the culture work that you began with Broken Arrow back in 2017 and and now through Ignite to Unite. And so Principal Matters listeners, I have to let you know that I've been in meetings with Jason Jadamski where he will ignite rooms full of people by getting them on their feet and, and, and by helping them figure out ways to better connect and build relationships, even with people that they've never met. And so one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you in this room, Jason, is one, because you're a friend, but also because of the great work that you've been doing with Ignite to Unite, because I've talked to leaders who have invited you into their schools to help them to facilitate more school spirit, more school culture, and stronger relationship building among their students and their staff. So that's kind of where I want to go today. And so you, you feel free to go whatever direction you want to go, but I've got a few things I want to ask you while I've got you on for Principal Matters listeners. And the first question is, let's talk about school culture. Can you share why you believe that engagement is the first intervention for working with students? Yeah, oh man, I love that question. And, and probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind is number one, I think that was just always in my heart. Um, I, I think you and I both have this in common. We were a non-traditional uh, path to education. And um, I think the reason why I was drawn to it is just I wanted to help people live a better life than what they would have ever met me. And teaching felt like that was the calling to help me do that. Um, but I went to this really awesome national dropout convention. I think this would have been back in 2009 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I went to a session by Grossmont Union School District. And um, I think Janae Luttrell, if I can still remember her name correctly, she was one of the people there from Grossmont Union. And the presentation was phenomenal. And they do a three-day, two-night kind of orientation camp, I think, for their freshmen coming to their campus. They had a grant to pay for it. But they shared this summary of research from the CDC, and the summary of research was over 50 years in education. And essentially, the summary of research said the number one factor that influences school success is family connectedness. Now, you and I can't do much about that, but the number two factor that's going to influence school success is school connectedness. And when you read kind of about uh, their definition of school, school connectedness, it really comes down to engagement. And I love this term engagement because it's a buzzword in education and we use it all the time. But literally about 18 months ago, I just Googled it. I was like, what does it really mean when you Google it? And it said emotional commitment. And when I think about emotional commitment, um, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like all of us have walked into a classroom that's alive and think about what that classroom looks like, sounds like, and feels like. And I think, man, does it look like a place where the students are emotionally committed to the teacher? Yeah, I think it does. Does it look like a place where students are emotionally committed to the other students? Yes, I think that it does. Does it look like a place where they're emotionally committed to the content? Yes. We've also all walked in a classroom that's dead and we can answer no to all those things. Um, and so that emotional commitment, I think, is really important um, just from a foundational level of, you know, in any group or team in the world, if you want to be successful, you have to be emotionally committed to each other first. And so that's why I think that um, that engagement is that first intervention. If we can focus on getting kids to emotionally commit, um, once we've got them there, I feel like we can take them much farther um, academically, socially than we could if they are not uh, committed to each other. I'm having this really interesting memory as you're saying this of back when I was a brand new teacher and I was identifying among the staff, some of the veterans who had a really strong reputation for strong instruction um, and not just among teachers, but among kids too, because you can, it doesn't take you long to identify among the reputations of fellow teachers and kids who 
are some of the strongest instructors in that building. And I, I remember specifically one of the teachers in the high school where I taught, who was an AP U.S. history teacher who had that reputation, just of engaging, um, strong content, but just really um, attractive to kids in terms of his teaching style. And I was standing in the um, mailroom one day, just getting some stuff out of my box. And he was standing there too, gathering stuff out of his box and the bell rang. And he turned and said, man, it's showtime. And he had this look on his face, like he was getting ready to go like step on a stage and he took off out the door. And just that one little statement, Jason, like made such an impression on me. Like, oh, wow. That's this guy has a mindset I have not met before where he he's, he's, been teaching for 20 plus years. And yet when the bell rang, he was like, it's showtime. He, he was stepped out in that hallway. Like he was getting ready to engage kids. And so I love it that you start there because you can be an expert in content, but if it, and I'm not suggesting that everybody is that should be a performer when it comes to their teaching. But if you don't consider how, what you're teaching is engaging the people who, with whom you're communicating then you're not putting yourself in their skin or in their place to figure out um, what it takes for kids to learn. And so you said so many things there. You're right. We can't connect family connectedness. We can't, we can't impact family connectedness nearly as much as we can school connectedness, but that begins with emotional commitment. So go there a little farther, Jason, because how has that understanding influenced the work that you're doing? Because the work that you're doing now is all about igniting learning. Yeah, I had a, my, my I, just like most educators, I've had several moments in my career that helped transform me as an educator. And probably the, if not the most impactful moment, one of them was um, in 20, I guess that would be 2014, Broken Arrow High School, um, the, the activities director. And we had two leadership classes at the time. We had one the year before my first year there, my second year there as activities director. We added a second one and um, had a teacher that was uh, leading that class in October. Uh, I think the teacher was also teaching AP. And she came to me and she said, JJ, I cannot keep up. Like th this, this, this is just too much for me. And I said, that's cool. Like, hey, I, you know, I could actually take the class. I had a gap in my, my schedule where I could do that. So I took the leadership class. And um, the first two weeks, all we did was uh, literally invest our time in getting students connected one-on-one, -on -one, having conversation, building relationships. And then after that, those two weeks, we came back to that about 20 minutes a week. We would try to invest back in the relationship, kind of maintain those. And at the end of the year, when enrollment came around, I had a student come up to me one day and said, there's being a class said, Hey, Mr. J dude, next year, your enrollment's going to explode. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, we've been telling all our friends to take your class. And I said, well, well, why are you telling your friends to take this class? And I remember one student said, I have never been in a class that felt like this in my life. And everybody else in the room went, I agree, I agree, I right. They all just start chiming in. And I was like, whoa, man, that's kind of cool. And so the next year we had four leadership classes instead of two. And we went from four to six and six to 10. And the BA still, I think, has over like 10 sections of leadership. And uh, the key to that, in my opinion, was we invested a lot of time in, in connecting people before professionals. I know that's one of the things you already mentioned. Mm -hmm and uh, really getting students connected to each other on a personal level. And uh, that changed their experience in the classroom. And what that did for me is I was no longer teaching chemistry. I taught chemistry most of my career. 
But I go back and I go, man, I thought I was a pretty good teacher, right? Like when I was teaching chemistry, like I thought I was pretty good. Um, but if I could go back and have a do-over, and if my do-over would include the investment of time and building relationships between students in class, I think my students would have been way more successful academically in my class. And, and I use this as an example. I know a lady named Karen lives in uh, North Carolina. She actually used to work for Phil Boyd, school culture guy. And uh, it was her son, Ben, who was a junior in high school. And they were walking through a Walmart parking lot in North Carolina. And there was a boy about Ben's age walking on the a little side of the Walmart road. Uh, and they, when they passed him, Ben looked up and said, hey, and the kid said, hey, and Karen goes, hey, Ben, who's that? And he goes, oh, he's a kid in my math class. Karen goes, what's his name? Ben goes, I don't know. And that was in April. So they've been in the same room together an hour a day from August to April, and they didn't know each other's name. And that happens in classrooms across probably the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's a crime that we allow that to happen. And I think we should invest some time up front to know name, face, story. Um, and that's going to make kids more connected uh, on a personal level before we start talking about professional, the classroom stuff. And that leads to emotional commitment, engagement. Well, I know you work with that motto. You said it earlier, people before professional. And so I wanted to, I wanted to go there next and ask you, why is this an important principle for you? when it comes for how we should be caring for students, staff, and, and school communities? Oh, great, great question. And uh, again, part of my evolution is, um, you know, thinking about how I've done things in the past and trying to get better. And I think that phrase uh, probably came out from uh, something I heard Phil Boyd say at some point, you know, people before professionals. And then I had a really cool opportunity. You mentioned earlier that I got to open an innovative high school in Broken Air, Oklahoma called Vanguard Academy. And um, that was my first time to be a site principal. I had been other leadership roles in districts, but never a site principal. And uh, I really, I really put my energy into people before professionals. And so um, I think I always kind of led that way, but that was the first time I really put my like flag in the ground and said, this is what we're about, man. Um, and, and I think it served us really well as a school. Um, from the very beginning, when we started like planning the school and hiring people, we talked about people before professionals, then we modeled that. And so what that means is, and I'll use like, uh, you know, most people listening have a significant other person in their life now or have in the past. And anybody that's been in a long-term relationship knows that there are times in a relationship, all of a sudden you feel super disconnected and you have to figure out ways to kind of reconnect as people. And um, like my wife and I, we have twins and I think they were about eight and we were on the couch one night and we both sat down at like 930 and all of a sudden we were both like looking at each other. We didn't even say anything for a second, but we were both thinking the same thing. Like this is exhausting and we feel like we live in different countries. Um, and so my wife said something about, hey, let's just start going for a walk. And it gave us intentional time to connect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing um, that we lack in schools a lot. Uh, I make a joke. It's kind of like a joke at the beginning uh, when I do PD and I talk about, hey, if you guys hired me, if, you're, if your rival district hired me to come to your school and sabotage your school, how would I do it? I said, well, I'm gonna tell you what I would do. I would make sure adults had as little time as possible to connect on a personal level each and every day. I would make sure the schedule was set up that way where you had to get to campus and you had five things to do before the first bell rang at lunchtime. You have to eat lunch at your desk. So you can answer emails. Right. And so I, I, and I talk about students would be walking around in clicks and little groups and not interact. The arts people wouldn't interact with the um, athletic people, you know, and all this other stuff. And guess what we've done in schools? We've done that. And it's not by design. No one did it on purpose. It, you know, it's just by default that it ended up that way. 
Um, and so as a leader of this, this Vanguard Innovative High School, I just really focused on how can we be intentional to come back and, and kind of connect as people um, and especially starting a new, it was a brand new school. We, we wanted to do that. And I just made it optional. It was like, you know, everybody's invited and unrequired. You can show up when you want. And we would just invest maybe two to three times a week. We'd meet for 15 minutes. And the first thing we would talk about is just, we'd have a little systems, a fist of five or a post-it note, or we'd have little emoji cards and we'd say, go pick up the thing that best represents how you're doing as a person. And we would check in. We would always start with people before professionals. That's where we would invest our time first. Then we would talk about professional stuff. And then sometimes you have to have hard conversations or conversations about things that are uncomfortable. And I would always start those with a people professional. Hey, first, you know, Will, if it, Will, if it was you and I, I'd say, hey, Will, just talk to me about how you're feeling. What are you experiencing right now, right? Hey, and I would always talk about how I'm experiencing. Hey, this is a little uncomfortable for me too. And, and then we would talk about the uh, professional part. So um, for me, that was a, a big foundational component of leading and starting that school. Um, and just in all my work I do, I try to be people first. Um, and I think for me, it's, uh, that's a philosophy that most people don't use, or, um, maybe don't use it to the extent that I've been able to use it. Uh, and I've seen really good results from it. And, and so I, I feel like there's a lot of value there. Friends, I want to take a quick break here to ask you a question. Did you know that leaders learn better together when we isolate ourselves from the input and inside of others? then we work within the limitations of our own ideas and experience. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast right now. It's also why I want to keep you informed of upcoming episodes, as well as leadership academies, mastermind offerings, or executive coaching opportunities I'm making available to leaders like you. Go to williamdparker.com and check out the services link to learn more or visit my website and select the subscribe button to be on the weekly Principal Matters mailing list. Thank you so much for learning together. Now let's jump back into the rest of today's episode. Well, thank you for that follow-up. And I, I want to go a little bit deeper and I know we may or may not be able to get through all of this in the, in the last 15 minutes or so that I have you in this setting but I want to try. And that is, I know that you also base a lot of the work that you do with school leaders and with students to improve school culture on your, on the seven levels of intimacy. And so can you take us through um, that framework and how that framework helps you think about um, helping leaders lead through relationships so that they have great professional outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. A guy named Matthew Kelly uh, has a book and 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 I, I I love the work and it's seven levels of, of intimacy. And actually one of my friends is the one that recommended it to me. And uh, man, it just, it really connected with the work I do in the world. And uh, so essentially it's just, there's, there's seven levels of intimacy. The first level is cliche. And so I've always worked on big high school campuses and anybody that's worked on a big high school campus knows you can walk across the campus and see an adult that works on your campus and you don't know their name. Right. So you call them by their nickname and their nickname is what's up. Right. You say, what's up? They say, man, nothing good or, you know, whatever. And that's that cliche level of intimacy. And, um, you know, and that can happen on small campuses. I mean, I work with small campuses all the time. And just because people work on op physically on opposite ends of the campus, they rarely see each other. Um, and so that's the first level. Second level is facts. That's where you just know facts about people on your campus. 
And when I work with the adults on a campus, and I'll, I'll use specifically administrators, sometimes I'll have them make a, a spreadsheet of all their staff members. And we'll just give each of these little levels of intimacy a number, cliche is one, facts is two. And I say, hey, go by every staff member and put the level of intimacy you're at with that person. And it's amazing to see how many ones and twos fill up that, that little spreadsheet. Uh, and so we just talk about, hey, how can you strengthen those relationships and make them deeper? And then the third level is opinions. That's where you just start talking about, hey, your opinions about things in the world. And then the fourth level is hopes. Uh, and then fifth is feelings. Uh, and then fears is sixth. And then needs is seventh. And, and if you think about needs, right, and, and the the relationship you have to have to express to somebody your need, right? It has to be a pretty deep relationship because there, there has to be trust there as well. Um, and so I love that work because you can even think about it in a classroom. We always talk about, I love this and I make fun of myself because I did this too. As an administrator, I would say, hey, stand at the door and greet all the kids. That's building relationships. And I look at this framework and say, like, what what level of intimacy do we have with kids? And intimacy to me, and, and maybe people have heard this before, is if you if you really think about intimacy, it's into me, you see. That's intimacy. And um, so when you think about greeting students at a door, let's say, that's going to get you to the cliche and facts level usually. Uh, and uh, Phil Boyd uses this phrase. I love it. Conversation creates care. And the only way you're going to get to level three, four, five, six, six, and seven is through conversation. When you think about the significant person in your life, hopefully you're at feeling fears, feel it, feeling fears and needs, level five, six, and seven with your relationship with that person. And that happens through conversation. And wow. again, our schools just aren't, aren't designed that way. And neither are classrooms. Classrooms are very much set up to hop in and get to work quickly. And to me, we, we kind of skip over this step of, relationship building and building intimacy and emotional commitment in a classroom. Wow. I want to stay there, Jason, because for Principal Matters listeners, I want to do a quick summary, but then I also want to do some application and I would love some thoughts from you on this as well. But number one is cliche. Number two is facts. Number three is opinions. Number four is hopes. Number five is feelings. Number six is fears. And number seven is, is needs. And one of the first thoughts that came to me, Jason, was an application um, from a principal who I know in um, Yukon High School, which is just outside of Oklahoma City, Melissa Barlow, who was one of our Oklahoma um, high school principals of the year. And she shared that with her students, large campus, like the one that you serve, she asked her teachers every year to take a list of all of the students in their building and then break them into tiers. So tier one would be, if you know this student by name, highlight them in yellow. If you know this student's hobbies and interests and things about the student other than just their name, then let's um, let's put them in green. I'm just making these numbers up, by the way. And then let's say, though, that you know this student because you're the student that you're the person, you're the teacher that this student comes to for a place of safety. Like you're their go-to. You're the place they want to hang out. You're the one that they confide their fears to. You're the one that they're like, they trust you. And there's a deeper relationship here that's been going to form than just facts and teaching responsibilities. And most teachers know who those kids are. And not every teacher has a lot of them, but you always have, at least it seems like there's somebody that gravitates you towards that. And so they give them a different color too. And I'll say it's orange, but they create this shared list that they run throughout the year. It's a shared Google Doc so that 
their administrative staff and their counselors and their teachers can can open it to see as I'm working with a student, who do I need to be aware of that is in their life who has these deeper connections with them? And what they've also discovered is who are the kids nobody's marked? Because if there's kids nobody's marked, then we have a work to do in the school to make sure that we're emotionally connecting with kids in a way where the, every child in the school is known by name. Every child in the school, somebody knows them deeper than their classroom. And every child in the school has somebody they trust uh, that they can go to. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you, I'm speaking to professionals who know that we are not friends with our students. We are professionals with them, but there are some students um, who trust other some teachers more than others to confide in for concerns that they have. And every kid needs that. Um, so that they have a place where they they feel that they thrive. So I, I was thinking about that application as you were walking through those those seven levels of intimacy. How have you seen this influence the way that the teachers or the or the professionals that you're working with are engaging students? It's it's so interesting. I think um, when when this conversation first happens it's usually like in a pd is where is where this occurs and it's always interesting because most people say oh my gosh i'm great with relationships you like i, I kind of made fun of standing at the door earlier and uh, and i did that forever and uh and it there's a moment where people recognize like okay when we say relationships are important um what does that really mean like let's define that because i don't think we've ever really defined what this means to have a good, a strong relationship or, you know, whatever between staff members with our students. Um, and that's what I think the, the seven levels of intimacy do. They start to define that a little bit more and go, okay, well, a relationship doesn't mean like you stand at the door and just say, how you doing? They say, good, right, cliche. Um, we're trying to get down here to some, some deeper levels of intimacy. And same thing with adults on campus, um, especially, and again, it could be a small campus or big campus, but um, if you think about the relationships of staff, that's also, uh, if you can get deeper in the, in the levels of intimacy, you're going to have stronger connections among your staff as well. Um, and so I think that's important, but that this conversation you have among a staff, people all of a sudden get to this point where they go, whoa, wait a minute, maybe my definition of how I'm really good with relationships and what I do to build and facilitate those isn't the definition I should be using. And that's always kind of a cool little conversation um, among staff where they go, whoa, wait a minute. And a lot of times what I found is it just comes down to permission. They feel like they don't have permission to invest time in the relationships in the classroom. And a lot of school leaders are like, well, what do you mean you don't have to, like who, why do you, why, why do you guys think you can't do that, right? They want, the, the leaders also want that. It's just, I don't think we, we say it enough. We don't verbalize it. And we have all these other pressures of tests and everything else that has to get done. But I think the relationship thing kind of gets pushed to the bottom or to the side or whatever it may be. Um, but I do think there's a moment where that conversation as a staff, they go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And it's cool. There's a, some schools I've worked with over a period of time that we'll do some PD and we come back and we get to check in with them. And some of them will go, because it's all about um, what I talk about is, is turning the dial from uh, me as a teacher trying to build a relationship with 150 kids to being the facilitator of relationships between 150 kids. And that was my big um, uh, kind of moment I, I shared earlier as the leadership, you know, teaching leadership classes, instead of me trying to build a relationship with every single kid, what if I built relationships between every single kid? That's going to make our campus tighter and smaller and closer. 
Um, and so that moment for teachers also exists and they go try some of these little techniques and they come back and go, this was great. And that wasn't well, cool. All right. Then how do you tweak that to make it work for you in your classroom? And what's cool, a lot of the techniques I talk about can also be used for content. So it's not only a way to build relationships between people a lot of like, I'll do a little thing that's that you give every, every student gets five unique handshake partners every nine weeks. And so when a, a class starts, I might say, you know, hey, go find your 10 partner. They'll go do a little 10 handshake. Maybe it's a Monday and I'll say, hey, taller partner, real fast, 30 seconds, share how your weekend was. What was the highlight? What was low light? Cool. We'll let the shorter partner share that. We'll go get our second partner. Maybe it's a shoulder bump partner, right? We'll have them talk about something. And then the third partner, I'll say, hey, taller partner, share what, what did we do in class last week, right? What do you remember about class last week? They get to talk. Shorter partner gets to talk. And all of a sudden now we've taken this, system that I use in class. Um, and we've, we've, we've gone from a place of, we're using it for personal people before professionals, right? Personal connection to a place where kids get to share about content. And what I love about it is every kid now is having a chance to talk about the content of the class. And then we can bring that discussion to the whole group in class. I'm so glad you went there, Jason, because my next question was going to be, can you talk a little bit about some of the practical strategies you use for engagement? Because I know I've seen you do some of this work and watching you take a large group of people and suddenly build like really quick, fun engagement is, um, it's so motivating, but it's hard to describe it. And so I'm glad you, that you went there with that one example of the unique handshake partners in going from just quick, um, non-threatening conversations of engagement, you know, how, what, how was your weekend? shoulder bump with someone to find out something fun that they're doing. And then, then you step into things like, well, what kind of learning has been happening? What, what do you remember? And so using those, what are some other, if you could, and I know it's hard to describe what you do uh, through, through audio as we're talking, but if you could describe a little bit more for, for listeners, if someone was to have you come into their school and start doing some engagement work with their students to build stronger school spirit and culture and relationships what are, what's another one or two ideas that you would be able to help them think through? Yeah, one of the, one of the things that um, I feel like brings that brings a lot of value to a campus is with students. Um, we have a program called Four A. So essentially, it's typically a hundred leaders from your campus. It's twenty from your twenty five from your arts, twenty five from your athletics. 25 for your activities and 25 from your academic areas. We bring those students together and we have a little activity. I call it the wheel. Um, and it looks like basically a pizza. It's like eight slices. And each one of those slices has a little stem in it. And it'll say stuff like, um, the thing I love most about my school is the thing I like least about my school is the time I was most proud of my campus, the time I was most disappointed. And we, uh, we invest some time about 90 minutes before this, just building you know uh, kind of relationships across the room. And then students are in a group of, depending on, you know, who we're working with and what the flow is, maybe eight to 16 people. And they get about five minutes to answer those, like kind of write the, the extension of those stems. And then they discuss it. And it's cool because how often do you really sit down and invest, invest time in a discussion about your campus and the things that are going really, really well and the things that aren't? And what's cool is usually after the discussion, the group will have um, groups kind of put their answers on giant post-its and we'll throw them on the wall. And we'll kind of group them. And the students get to go, whoa, man, this is our huge strength, right? We're really good at supporting groups. We're really good at this, really good at this. And they get to go, whoa, man, 
we've got a big time click problem on our campus. We've got a big time problem with vaping, right? And so um, that conversation never, it might happen between you and I if we're buddies at lunch, but it never happens across groups across the campus. And I love that activity because it's cool to see the head nods in the room, even with the adults, when you say, hey, when was the last time your campus had a conversation about the things that are going really, really well and the things that aren't going really well? You see everybody go like, no, nope. <laughs> it never happened. Um, and so I love that. And that's not a super active thing, but the active stuff sets up that conversation, puts us in a place where kids can go. This is what I love. And, and uh, I'm a sports guy, but uh, I value the arts because I'm not very artsy. And 99% uh, of the schools, what comes out of that conversation is the arts people go, we don't feel like we're valued, you know? Uh, and what's cool is other people start to go, whoa, man, I see this now. You know, we do a pep assembly for the football state championship game, but how are we celebrating the arts, you know? So, and then academics kids, same way, they're going to go like, you know, we do a soccer tunnel for these people, you know, what? and so it's just a neat little conversation. And then it's the, the what, so what, now what? What happened today? So what, now what's going to happen? So now what action step are you going to take as a leadership group on campus to move your campus forward to make it a little more connected and a little more supportive. So um, I love I love that activity. That's kind of one of my my core things I go to when uh, we're working on a campus to really get them to go, hey, this is where we are. It's our current reality. And here's the thing that we can the action we can take next to make us better. All right, Principal Matters listeners, I just want you to pause for just a second because that was three minutes of some of the best PD you're going to get all week long. Because those golden nuggets, think about that for just a moment, that if you had an activity that was broken into strands of what do you like the most, what do you like the least, what are you the most prideful about from this campus, what are you the most disappointed in, and you could add other strands to that. And that was executed in a place of trust among the people that are, that are having those conversations. Think about how deep you could get in terms of where are we now and where do we want to grow? And then I love the wrap up, Jason, the what, the so what, and the now what, what do we learn? So what, and how are we going to apply this moving forward? And so that's, you know what that's called? It's called a cycle of learning, that reflective learning that every great teacher wants to happen in any kind of lesson. And my question to principal matters listeners is how can you be doing this with your staff and with your students, and with your school community? And one way you can do that is by reaching out to Jason Jadamski because he loves helping schools facilitate this kind of learning. But even if you don't reach out to someone like Jason, take those ideas and think about how you can apply them in your own setting. Well, Jason, as we wrap up, first of all, I just want to say thank you for your friendship and also for how you've taken these ideas to, to work that have worked in the school district where you are and they're growing. There are lots of school districts now reaching out to you saying, come in and do some work with us and our kids or with our staff. And so one of the ways I wanted to wrap up this conversation is I know that your work keeps growing and I know that there's a place where people can connect with you. So if, if there's listeners who want to just connect with you and build a friendship, or if they want to connect with you because they're really interested as you're looking at that 23, 24 schedule of ways to, that you can make it connect with their schools. How can folks stay connected to you um, or find you or reach out to you? Oh, man, I, you know, I love friends. And that that's something that um, I'm trying to get better at because we're better together. And a great way to learn and grow is just to get connected with people. And so social media, I'm not huge on social media. That's where I'm trying to grow. Uh, one of my growth areas, I'm on Twitter. It's at J Jadamski. So it's just J J E D A M S K I. 
Uh, our company is Ignite to Unite. So we're also on Twitter as well. It's at Ignite, I-G-N-I-T-E, and then the number two, numeral two, and then Unite, U-N-I-T-E. Uh, Facebook, Twitter are two right now. And then um, we have a website, www.ignite.com to unite.com and that's a good place to kind of learn more get information and kind of see the work we do in the world uh and absolutely love to connect with people and uh, just like you will you and i have the same heart for the world and just trying to make it better so i love connecting with people like that that's how you learn and grow and get better and then share that that stuff out to other people in the world to continuous continuing to move us forward as a, as a society well for my oklahoma listeners i just want to remind you i've been talking over the last several sessions about the upcoming conference that we have in Oklahoma, February 8th and 9th in Edmond for our secondary and middle-level educators. And, and uh, Jen Schwanke, who co-hosts this show with me regularly, is going to be coming. And Dr. Don Parker, who's written a book with uh, Solution Tree on uh, bridges to at-risk students. And Jason Jadamski has already let me know that he will be in the room. And so I want to just invite all of you, if you haven't already registered for that conference, if you're interested, you can go to the COSA website, which is ccosa.org, and just go to conferences and find the Leadership and Learning Conference. We'd love to have you there. Well, Jason, until next time, I'm so excited to share this out with Principal Matters listeners. It'll be after the holidays when this comes out, and you and I are talking as we're getting ready to step into the holidays. So best wishes to you for the new year, because that's when this will be broadcast. And Principal Matters listeners, best wishes to you for the new year. As you're learning and growing, I would love to hear from you and the work that you're doing. So please reach out to me. If you've got questions or follow-ups, or you just want to connect and let me know how you're doing, please reach out to me through my website at williamdparker.com, or you can email me directly at will at williamdparker.com. But until next time, thanks for doing what matters, and we'll talk to you soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies, Mastermind Offerings, and Executive Coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.